This is the Reflector Reflections podcast. My name is Annie. Join me as we journey around the world talking with fellow human design reflectors as they experiment and navigate their unique design. Today's beautiful conversation is with Michael. Michael is a 3-5 reflector. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me, Annie. Michael, I'm so very grateful for you being here. Um, You and I met through uh, Zach's uh, Discord channel, which I'm going to link in the show notes. And I was so excited that you could join me. Can we talk about you and how your journey in human design to date has manifested? Yeah, absolutely. So I was introduced to human design through a projector. Um, I didn't actually understand, (laughs) it's actually two projectors. So at the time I was dating a girl who was a projector and she had brought up human design. She didn't really push me into it. Um, It was interesting that I had heard about it through her and just kind of put it out of my mind. Um, She actually thought that I might be a projector. And so she kind of projected the projector onto me back in the fall of 2020. And it wasn't until later into 2020 that um, a projector from a mentorship group, (laughs) and I didn't know what she was. She just happened to be into human design. And she said, um, I, I see you struggling with all of these influences and I see all of these aspects of your environment causing you to be scattered and to kind of be pulled in all these different directions. And she says, I think you might need to look into this human design because I believe you might be a reflector. And sure enough, she was right. So I went and I took it and I was a little bit like taken aback because initially I thought I might be like a projector and they sounded like pretty cool beings. And then as I <laughs> leaned into the reflector, it made more sense, but it aggravated me because I, I don't know, I have this warrior spirit and the reflector seems like these snowflakes that kind of float and get thrown every which way, which made a lot of sense for my life, but didn't exactly align with the power that I wanted to bring to the world. So I, I did have some resistance to it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the big thing, isn't it? When we first find out we reflect is it's, it's quite um, challenging because we're, you know, the textbooks and the websites and stuff like that are all like, we're very fragile and precious and, oh, the poor little snowflakes and the unicorns and, and it makes us feel quite vulnerable, doesn't it? You just go, oh, mm-hmm. oh, but do you feel vulnerable now that you know this? Like deep no. down looking at your life, do you feel vulnerable or do you feel quite resilient? I feel, I feel vulnerable for the person I was before I learned mm. that I was a reflector. And then it made so much more sense the more I leaned into it. And now I, I definitely understand a lot more of the programming that I've taken on mm. and the, yeah, just the saturatedness. Like I, I've always gravitated towards people. And it's funny because as a child, I would see all these other kids playing in whatever environment and I just wanted to be around them I wanted to reflect that back to them I wanted to just enjoy kind of experiencing whatever they were putting out and it was so innocent but over the years you know just the several or the handful of decades that I didn't I lived in sort of ignorance of it it just kept getting more and more saturated with things that didn't serve me Mm. identities that didn't serve me and for so long I just didn't know who I was or what I was doing um so in a lot of ways the reflector identity gave me so much more than I could have imagined yeah 
And being the profile 3.5, I guess what you were saying, you know, wanting to be around people and experiencing that and reflecting that back to them, it, it, it makes a little bit more sense, doesn't it, that you really needed or wanted to experience that so that you could sort of sample it and push it back and, and kind of be in your own experience. Does that make a little bit more sense for you now that you know this about yourself? It does. It's funny because the projector mentor that I had at the time, she was also a three five. Oh. So we, she was almost laughing at me as being the reflector version of her three five profile being like, yep, crashed and burned plenty of times in my life. And, you know, projectors and reflectors have a little bit more in common than I think some of the yeah. other profiles. I mean, obviously you have some crossover there, but yeah, I, I would throw myself into anything and everything and it would always feel so off but I kept on, I just wanted to know what was on the other side. <laughs> and usually it ended up with me just being more confused, more just lost and aimless, um, which is, yeah, like, and I, I think every experience served me in, in chipping away a little bit less or a little bit more of who I wasn't. Um, yeah. That's really what I feel like my life has been is figuring out who I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And that's a bit, that's what it is, isn't it? We're, we're looking to sort of dissolve a lot of that past conditioning and who we were or who we, we think we should be opposed to who we actually really are. And I guess that's a part of human design, isn't it? We're really looking at that. This is, this is who I am. And it's really uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> it can be really uncomfortable, but it's just like, that's, that's our unique beautifulness. Yeah. And, so, I, and I love I, I love your use of I am and I would I don't want you to lose your thought, but the concept of I am is just has a lot of meaning for me yeah. because of my upbringing, but I'll let you I'll let you segue. <laughs> oh no, keep going, please. Very fluid. We, we just chat. So talk to me like you know you found this out. So where were you in your life when this happened? like, you obviously the projector came in and they sort of said this about but where were you you were you I I think what I'm finding about people is we're generally at a point in our cross a, a life where we're at a crossroads where we're really looking what's going on something has happened in our life that has led us to sort of seek were you at a seeking point absolutely um so much so that after I found out about being a reflector it resonated so deeply that I went, you know, as far as I could in my experience to seek out the greatest in the land in terms of who could help me understand. Yeah. And that wasn't necessarily something that <clears throat> I, I did lightly. I, I was very much wanting to know just, I just need a roadmap. I just need someone to tell me what to do. I just mm. need somebody to tell me what are the steps I need to take because I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. And nothing seems to be working in the sense of actually like getting me into that groove of life where it just clicks. And so I said, just please, for the love of God, <laughs> or, you know, whatever, give me something that can show me the way. And did you find somebody to give you the path? Did you, did you actually find the miracle of somebody just saying, here, do this, do that, and you, you're all good? Yeah, no, I, I did not. <laughs> and, and that's, yeah, and that's the, the, the joke of life. It's, you know, you're, you, you want it so badly until, you know, one day you're looking back and you said, what, what is it even like, how would it even look for me to have all the steps laid out? How boring 
how unfulfilling of a life if I'm not actually able to keep on playing the three, five game, because even that for me and seeking out someone who could just lay it out for me was another experience of, yeah, here's $1,200 and, you know, more questions, (laughs) more unknowns and more guessing games. Um, But one of the lasting things that I took away from that chapter was trust, trust, Mm. just have to trust. And that's, they say that the reflectors have to trust the most. So, yeah. So one thing that um, you've spoken to me about in the past, Michael, is that, and I found this quite fascinating, you sought the best of the best to get a reading done. I did. You sought them out. You paid the money. <laughs> and, and that was great. Mm. But share with us, what, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um... I mean, are you, do you want me to share who it was or do you want me to just speak ambiguously? Oh, maybe just speak ambiguously. We don't want to uh, yeah. cause the, the <laughs> no, witch hunt. It's, and, and it's not, and it's, there's nothing, there's nothing to say negatively about the experience. Yeah. So I, I found someone who I consider to be an expert within the human design space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a lot of research leading up to that experience saw that you could, you know, do private coaching or private one-on-one reading. Um, there was multiple kind of facets to it. And I, I said, okay, I need to see what this is like. And my girlfriend at the time who was a projector said, I don't really think you need this. And I said, ah, I got to try it because I, I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, I did it. And it, it basically was, well, <laughs> it was no different than me going through and mapping out all those details myself. It wasn't necessarily that it wasn't, you know, more eloquent. It wasn't more, um, I would say, experiential, narratively driven. But at the end of it, I was still left with the same Mm. scattered version of me and all these charts and all these numbers and all these fragments and all of it resonated, but none of it told me what to do next. None of it said, okay, now that you have all the details, now that you, you know, have, and have the gate of creativity and that you have the gate of tension and you have the gate of, you know, male, female polarization, it's like, okay, that's great. But it says it doesn't, there's nothing here that says yeah. step one, step two, step three. Mm. Yeah. And this was the beginning of me coming into 2021, realizing this theme of extreme ownership. Mm. Um, and this extreme ownership did not come lightly. Um, it wasn't something that really any one person introduced to me but it was something that I was hungry for in recognizing that no matter what somebody like lays out for me in terms of my design in terms of who I am anybody like rather whether I'm a reflector or not the responsibility of each human is to grow in that self-awareness so that they can then become kings of their own choices you know because I had lived a passive life I had lived a life like a snowflake unknowingly being blown here and there and everywhere because I didn't have an identity. I didn't know where that identity came from. And for some reason, 2021 happened to be the year where I realized I had to step into that ownership and own my profile, own the fact that no amount of money was ever going to give me the steps that I had Mm -hmm. to create for myself. But you also in saying that you valued yourself and you valued that where you were going, you needed like that. There's a value there with you going, I need to go to this person 
you know what I mean? You valued this journey that you were going on to be able to go, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go to the best of the best because I value who I am and I really need this journey. Yeah. So that, I think that's, that's a testament to something to just say, I, I am so ready that I, I, I can't go here. I need to go here. I need to go to this higher level in your mind at the time right. because you valued, you valued this journey of self. Right. I really I think did. that's and important because that's what I'm sensing from you. It's just like, I, I'm, I, I have enough bullshit. I need to, I need to go here. Yeah. <laughs> to go yeah, to this next level. It was me taking back control mm. and saying, I'm going to put everything I have, whatever I've gotten to this point. Um, I recently read The Alchemist, and I don't know if anybody's read that book, but there are moments in that book that reflect on great acts of sacrifice and mm -hmm. trust. And for me, yes, I, I turned away from being a codependent giver, which is really what 2020 revealed to me was that I had lived a life of a codependent giver. Yep. And just letting my energy seep out and being taken left and right and everywhere and realizing that, you know, my path forward was one of, yes, yeah, self-development. I would put any amount of money into getting to that place where I, I could be the person I'd always knew I was deep down. So you've gone down this, this path. You found out that you're a reflector. You've had the reading. It's been illuminating. You're left with this, what does this all bloody mean? <laughs> what did you do then? What happened? Where, where did you go? I went into self-development mode. I went into, okay, I know I, I'm a reflector. I know that my, my journey up to this point has been one of confusion and one of uncertainty. And so... I started to just throw myself at whatever, whatever stuck. It was almost like I went into three, five overdrive and I decided that I was going to, yeah, really, really invest myself. And so the first thing that I did was I hired a confidence coach mm -hmm. and I worked with that person for three months. Um, and I, I actually veered towards working with a woman because that was my comfort zone. I felt much more safe in the feminine energy. And that was a key indicator for me. Um, coming out of that experience, the last call that I had with her, which was in early June, it wasn't the most comfortable because I had all these questions and I had all these thoughts around my emotions and my feelings that even she, because she was a lot more like, you know, let's drill this confidence in you. Wow. And I realized like, oh man, like, what am I missing here? Like I came out of this and I gained so much from the experience, but I also was hungry for um, like something different, some, someone, something, some other way of doing it. And, and that's actually around the time that I started to direct myself more towards actually finding like uh, finding, I would say, what's it called? not comfort per se, but camaraderie with other men. And I realized that I had been severely lacking yeah. in male influence, like healthy male influence. And I wasn't alone in that. I just realized that like all of the people that I knew, all of these people that I had grown up with, that I had experienced, like there was just so few examples of healthy masculine community. Mm. So that was 
something that I started to realize like I was lacking deeply. And around that time, I had just moved to Denver and I lost all community. Um, it took me a bit, but yeah, that was, that was essentially the direction that I started to go in. But to answer your question from the very beginning, yeah, I, I just, I wanted a change. I realized that with this reflector energy and with this, with this newness, I was looking for a completely different way of showing up in life. I love what you were saying there about that you obviously, and let me get my train of thought here. Human design seems to be very female-based. Like most of the people who want to talk to me or, or share it, they're, they're generally females. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a blessing to have males who are doing this work and because it's important work because you honour yourself. Um, you know, it's, it's not about male or female. It's just about you honour the fact that you are looking deep within yourself and you're journeying. So can we talk about that? Because I think that's really important. You were saying just as we were off air about, you know, doing a retreat that you've just come back from. Would you like right. to share something about that? Because I think that's really important. Sure. So when my relationship um, started to dissolve back in the summer, uh, summer for me, July, um, I knew that I needed support and I knew that support needed to come from somewhere else other than my past programming of just going to the comfort side of the feminine, whoever that may be. Um, I had a difficult time relating to my mother for a very long time. And so I sought out other feminine influences. And in a lot of cases, those resulted in relationships or resulted in a lot of confusion around the definitions of that relationship. And so for me, I realized kind of in the theme of coming into my reflector nature and recognizing that I needed to do things differently, that the old way of doing things wasn't serving me. Mm. I sought out a, um, yeah, an online men's group, a men's group that didn't have anything to do with church because that was also triggering for me from my upbringing, Mm. but it was very much more, what does it look like to be a conscious man? in this day and age. So I joined this online group and they have, they call them squads and they're groups of 10 men and they have online versions. And then they started off being in-person, but with the pandemic, they, you know, had to pivot and they pivoted well. And so I started that journey in August and every single week we meet, um, there's a monthly, you know, fee, you know, just to keep the whole thing structured and keep the people who organize it paid. And that's very much like an investment, another investment in myself. It's not cheap, you know, it could be three phone payments for a normal person. But for me, it's like, that is what I'm worth. I'm worth having that type of influence. Mm. And I had the opportunity recently to actually attend my first in-person get together. So they organized an opportunity for people from those online groups to get together. And I just got back from being in Sedona, Arizona, uh, with these guys going and doing exercises, hiking, and just, it, it brought up something in me that I only can relate to childhood. The moment that you meet your, your group of friends as a guy, you know, you have this very <laughs> raw kind of memory of boys just running around 
you know, chasing frogs or whatever, you know, slingshots and play fights and bicycles and rollerblades and trips to the lake and jumping off cliffs and just that energy. Where, where did it go wrong? Where did it get lost? What happened to that? Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say like, I, yeah, the moment I left home, it just stopped, you know? Yeah. There was college and you had the little pockets of it, these little, you know, blindingly, um, treasurable moments, but then college turns into a career and a career turns into relationships and it turns into professional, it turns into drinking, it turns into really like just a series of escape kind of methods to for the, for, for the male psyche to almost lose himself. He loses himself in his work. He loses himself in his relationship. He loses himself in his sports, his activities, his computer screen, whatever that looks like. And especially now we've lost community for men that can actually express and feel and relate. And that's what I got. I was around 18, 17, 18 other guys, all doing the work and not just doing the hanging out boys club type of thing, which has such a terrible association. I would never want to actually say that out loud again, because yeah, the good old boys club, boys club, it's just, it, it makes people feel sick. And that's not what we do. We work on our shadow you know we support men who are going through stuff we we actively address the gaping holes and men's experience today and as a reflector being able to just kind of see and witness and understand just the complete lack of community that men have in this world i mean yeah so powerful Mm. beyond powerful and how did you find that being a reflector obviously you you may or may not have known the other men that you were around, what their types were. But being a male reflector and having that part of yourself that what I guess us women naturally have, and, and so do so do men, please don't take me wrong there, but so do men. But for women, it's more natural for us to sort of be in community and have our little groups and stuff like that and do all these girls' weekends and stuff like that. But yeah. for guys, it's kind of like... Uh, it's taboo it's become quite no you don't do that so for you to be a reflector and to feel and let's let's use the word empath here because you must be feeling you must feel people very deeply and you're going into this space to learn about yourself I guess in a safe and trusted environment with fellow men how how does that feel how does that feel? To me, it was um, it was a lot. It was it was a lot only because, w- yeah. If it was a couple guys, if it was one, two, three, four, it's easier. It has mm-hmm. always been easier, and it takes me time to adjust and to get used to it. Um, this is me personally. I just I realized that a part of myself couldn't be expressed fully because I hadn't gained the clarity or the trust that I felt was was sort of my green light for really expressing myself and being almost the facilitator. I, I feel like in some ways I played the court jester um, and maybe that comes with my three, five profile, but there's a playful aspect to me. Um, one of the gates in, in my chart is joyous vitality. I have this part of myself that just wants to like express and be expressed. And that took a little bit, you know, if I would have had more time more like small intimate groups I feel like that would have come out but 
yeah, I definitely did my best to try and connect with each guy for as long as I got to. Um, but yeah, it was pretty intimidating. But mm -hmm. at the same time, that deeper part of me was able to look, reflect and just look at all of the work and look at all of the just joy coming from these guys being able to share and experience life together in the brief weekend. <laughs> just, I, I find this so beautiful. Um, beautiful is probably not the word I should be using, <laughs> but I powerful? do. I, pardon? Pa powerful. It I mean, is. is that, it's, yeah. it's extraordinary. And I'm so, I'm using the word proud a lot the last couple of weeks, but it's just like, it, it fills me with pride that people are going here. People are, are, are just going, fuck everything else. This is what we need to do. And yeah, yeah I just, yeah, I get, I get filled with this sense of pride and admiration. There you go. There's the word admiration mm -hmm. that men, our men are doing this beautiful work together <laughs> and they're supporting each other because it's yeah. so needed. So I'm again, I guess admiration and pride that, that you have said that and that you have, you are doing this work because it's yeah. really important. As I said to you off air, my, my husband recently went to, um, a men's shed here in Australia, they've got the men's shed where, you know, they go and they share stories about what they've lost to become a man. Now he's a generator, but it doesn't matter. It's still really important to feel that. And he comes back and he's all quite, as you say, empowered because he's like, oh, you know, oh, it doesn't have to be anything other than him. He doesn't have to be yeah. all of these things that society's deemed or, or whatever else. So, yeah. And uh, it's funny, I, I actually met a guy at this retreat who brought up human design. Yeah. Um, and he happened to be a projector. And it was so funny because I, I just keep meeting projectors. I just, I interact with project, like we, it's almost like there's a permission there to open up and say, and, and we, we were assigned, so we were climbing this mountain Sedona and we were assigned a, a man to walk with. And we had to go through these exercises and you rotated through the men. And he happened to be my partner for creating a haiku. And so we walked up this mountain creating a 575 haiku and he is a composer and a kind of a very musically inclined individual. And so he asked me a series of questions about my experiences, kind of from the reflector energy. He was, he, and he was milking it for all it was worth as a projector. He's like, oh, what are you experiencing right now? What are you feeling? What do you see? And I just kept feeding him the words and he put it together and articulated it. And then we were able to project it out to the other men. So we had this crazy human design powwow between him and I, and he just... Yeah you know, he just delighted in my being as a reflector, as another man, a man to a man. And I'd only mm -hmm. ever had those experiences with women. And, you know, it's just, it, it takes men time. It takes men time. Yeah. I feel like outside of, I, and I haven't really met men who weren't projectors or reflectors as of right now, the mm -hmm. only ones that seem to be showing themselves are reflectors and projectors. And I really have yet to really interact with generators, manifestors and manifesting generators. Do you think it's something that that men still again we're talking before about the fact that most of the people who I'm presented with or, or that you know if I look in the human design world and I'm looking especially in reflectors they're mostly female hmm. 
there's obviously just as equal amount of men out there, but what is it that men don't take? What, what do you think it is that men don't take that time to sort of like delve into their personal development and launch in? What, what, what is that? Do you think that's that disconnection from their true self that they feel that they've got to be this and their status and I can't be bothered about that stuff? And do you think that's society? I, from my experience with men, the majority of them are doing everything they can to not address their emotions. Mm-hmm. They, they find every single way possible to distract themselves and to avoid going deep, mostly because I think they're too afraid to see what's on the other side. And I think they associate with human design with feminine energy that's astrological bullshit you know that's not something I want like what is that going to do for me like Mm. I work and I support and all these other aspects of you know the human experience that men have been conditioned yeah it's a conditioned game um getting men to actually and 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 it's so ironic because once they actually (laughs) go there but it's so hard to to break down in front of, ever, of all these men. Like that was some of the work being done is these guys who have just held it together for this long were finally getting to the place where they couldn't. One of the first things that we do in, in these men's work is we do father shares. Yeah. And the reason we do father shares is to explore the dysfunctional relationship that most of these men have with their fathers. Mm. And genera- generationally, you have absent fathers, abusive fathers, really and and it's just the relationship with the father has been broken through generations of broken fatherhood that really goes all the way back you know to the early 20th century and Mm -hmm. beyond you know once once the industrialization of the human experience kind of came into being men lost so much and that doesn't mean that you know they were perfect before that because obviously we were being ruled and led by weaker men and sometimes stronger men but there was a hierarchy there and and but there was still an acknowledgement of the value of the father and over the years the father has been broken and and that continues to break men and so the reason we go first to that is so that you can explore what's what's going on because there's a lot of frustration there's a lot of hate there's a lot of and then there's a lot of mirroring I mean we end up reliving like I I know that from my own experience I there's so many things I inherited and it's like we resent it Mm -hmm. but the responsibility falls on us and that's where that extreme ownership comes from as I realized that that paired so perfectly with it is my responsibility to heal to heal that relationship with my father so that I can change the story yes and I love that you say that change the story we all need to change the story um just she's saying that's very powerful and as a feminine energy um you know we were always taught you look straight for the mother which you know you're saying here you, they, they the first part is to go straight to the father um it's my dog you see him you need to, no, yeah, no, i can no. see him i can hear him i can see him he's having a good time she he must be picking up on the energy. It's like, wow, mate, doesn't normally do this. Um, but I recently did some work and I 
obviously I'm doing work all the time, but I went into this space of, oh, here we go. I'm expecting to, to, to go into my female line, but I actually went into my, my, my father's line. And it was the first time I've ever actually done that. I've done the work in his line and it was like all of a sudden it, it came to me of the shame and the trauma that he had endured as a child from his father mm-hmm. and how that's carried into my genetics because, you know, epigenetics is the work that I do a lot of. Um, and I saw it and I spoke to him about it and I said, this is what I saw. Did this happen to you when you were, when you were a child? And he just broke down and he said, oh, my God, how do you know that? And I said, well, I do. Um, I don't know how to explain it to you how I know that, but I just do. And he said, yeah. And I just literally just gave him all this healing. And I thought that's impacted me as a, as still, you know what I mean? Like, I think we get caught in these ways. I guess the, the, the short story is we get caught in these ways that it's got to be a male or a female side, but it, it doesn't matter. You're carrying trauma or you're carrying issues from the male and the female side, right. our fathers and our mothers. And when we can see it, that a lot of some of the things that hold us back may not be just I'm female, so it's got to be my mum or I'm male, it's got to be my dad. When you could look at it from a whole holistic point of view, mm. you can just go, holy shit. And so I've really been able to do that male work, the masculine work that I needed to do That's because it's come through from that masculine side. Don't know where I was going with that. I felt I need to share that. <laughs> just then but it, it was it's just really good to talk about that because we don't talk about it enough and men I watched him in that moment and I thought you've probably never been supported in your whole life but I'm here for you now and I know I yeah. can't give you what you truly need but I'm here in some yeah. way or another so I guess that's what I was trying to say that I just watched a you know 60 year old man have all these traumas that no one wanted to talk to him about or was weak or it was this or it was that and just breaks my heart so I feel yeah I feel really passionate about the work that you're doing because it's very important and as me as a um, a mother raising a son I need to be very mindful that my bullshit doesn't influence him that I'm yeah. trying to be a good role model for him to learn to be a man or a boy. Yeah. A healthy, a healthy man and a healthy boy. And he's, he's a manifesting generator. So he doesn't even have the reflector thing. He doesn't have the projector thing. He's, sa- he's sacral. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there is that aggression. There's that oh, <laughs> coming through. So I wonder what that must be like for a reflector to find that find that true essence you know it just um I guess I'm trying to find that by talking to you I'm trying to find that how you must have not had that or or uh, you are finding it for lack of better words yeah I as I said I lived most of my childhood and my adult life in a lot of confusion um picking up on people's energies and attempting to emulate it. Um, and that's, you know, again, reflector energy, right? Like I see something and I say, oh, I can do that. And it just 
it's not my job. It's not what I'm supposed to do. And we take it on and then we burn out. We take it on and we burn out. And the one value of being a reflector is when you find something that's true, when you find something that's real, when you find something that's authentic and needed, you get to reflect that back. And so I found something in this work. I found something in my own journey because I have a mental health journey as well. Um, you know, like I was diagnosed bipolar in 2016 and it devastated me. And it, I reflected out of that experience that there was more. So every bipolar person I met, I was able to say, okay, I don't know. I didn't know what human design was at the time, but as I was able to see and keep refining, okay, how do I reflect the most perfect version of this energy back to the world? What does it look like to be a functional person who's diagnosed with this and actually reflect that majesty back to the world that says, this is, this is what it means. This is the purest light that I can give you. Yeah. And that's essentially what I was able to experience in Sedona with these men was I recognize that each one of these guys is gonna go back to their corner of the world, corner of these states, corner of Canada, whatever you wanna call it. And they're going to want to build that in their community. And growing up very Pentecostal Christian, I was exposed to men's groups, but it was under the guise of being a dogmatic religious kind of flavoring, which mm. left men with unanswered questions, left men asking deeper questions that didn't get answered within the fundamentalist Christian viewpoint. And so I rejected that version pretty severely um, to the point where I just didn't, I, I associated men's work with dogma and yeah. pain and resistance and <laughs> Yeah, just things that, you know, and shame, shame, like, oh, you, you're addicted to pornography. Well, shame on you. Get this app on your phone that blocks you or tells me every time you decide to be a sinner, you know, but we support you in Jesus name. And it's like, okay, like, I'm not going to shame people in Jesus name, because that's not Jesus, right? <laughs> um, and, and so when I think about this work, this is not non-sectarian, non-dogmatic. It's all about elevating consciousness elevating the consciousness of the masculine psyche and bringing people together regardless of whatever they believe, whether they're atheists, whether they're Christian, they're all in this group. It is the most perfect representation of what I would call a healthy conscious community because mm -hmm. nobody is discriminated against, but the fundamental aspects of the male like psyche that are healthy and that have pushed humanity forward outside of the dysfunction. I mean, I'm reading a book right now and we're about to go into some of the darkest 30 pages probably expressed of the masculine experience because yes, I mean, men have a right to be shown what we've done, be shown where we went wrong, be shown how it can go so bad if it's not grounded and it's not pure. <laughs> but what, I mean, but that's, that's the human experience. We're so broken. And yet we're so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And that's really where we went wrong. It's just, again, my, my reflector energy says, wow, if we just knew, if we just knew, but we're waking up, right? Yeah. And that's what I see right now is men waking up one at a time. You know, women are getting there so much faster and men are figuring it out. And I love that you are doing this journey and you are, all you have to do is be you to reflect everything that you're doing do you know what I mean like it's really hard to sort of grasp for us reflectors but you don't actually have to do anything except be you 
Yeah. You don't have to, all you've got to do is experience it, what you're doing, go through all this beautiful journey and, and feel it and be it and embodiment, embody it. And then just, just walk around. It's like a superpower. You just being you makes everybody else better. You being you encourages everybody else to be them. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's it's a gift. And I think that's the reflector. I don't think, I know the reflector journey is, is shedding all of the stuff that we've absorbed, all of the things that we've brought in. And that's that's been my year. That's and that's what 2022 is soaking in, you know, learning to soak in everything and then refine that just be you even more, you know, because again, we, we're always going to be taking in light, mm. but I feel like the reflector journey is perfecting the art of the filter so that everything you take in, you can filter it so much more clean so that that pure source that comes back out, it's, it is you. Yeah. I like that you said that purifying the filter, because when we operate from a not self, we know what that feels like. We can be very bitter, angry, frustrated. We are throwing back all the types back at people. Um, and I know I've experienced that, and I'm sure you have too, all of those emotions, and you just push it back to people. But when we are in alignment, when we feel really good, it's like it's more than just surprise and delight we feel the elation of all of the other types and we are amplifying all of them. Um, I don't know if that's, that's a thing, but I've, I've felt it in my experiment. I felt it and I'm just like, I'm not just my type, my authority and strategy. I'm everybody else's type because I can amplify all of them when I'm in alignment. And I felt yep. that from you just talking there before when you've come back from this retreat and how whole you feel. And I know from what you were saying that you felt all of these emotions when you were there because you felt whole, because you were pulling in all of their stuff and pushing it back out. I sense it. So it's just like you can just walk through life and just pull this in and just push it back out. Not all the negative stuff, but all the really good stuff. So people can be whole and loving and kind and compassionate and move through life and be who they need to be without having to sort of like push himself up against crap all the time, male, female, whatever. Yep. I could go on. I get very passionate about things like that, but yes. So the work that you're doing, Michael, um, you're starting to work in this space. Like you've, you've mentioned that you do a lot of videography and creation of digital content. Would you like to talk to us about that? Yes. Um, video production and photography was my major in college. When I went into college in 2008, I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I was insanely confused. And I had grabbed onto the camera as a means to express myself in the world, um, or so I thought. 
So I got into college and quickly realized that the more I did, the more I produced, the more I got noticed. And the more I was able to see and experience the reactions of others that gave me a sense of, okay, is this, is this what I'm looking for? Is this, is this value? Is this significance? Is this meaning? And so I kept going. I kept going and I kept going and I got out of college and I went into the marketing world working at a content and content um, at an agency in downtown Dallas and I kept is this yes okay they like this they want this they, they need this um, I'm producing I'm producing and by late 2014 in that company I touched over 300 projects and burnt myself out like yeah. completely wiped um, wiped the fuck out <laughs> you know just like very at my breaking point. So I quit. And then I got a call from the boss saying he would double my salary and triple it, you know, the next year if I decided to stay. And I was like, okay, I'm doing something, you know, value. Oh, is this it? Is this what I'm doing? Is this the thing that's supposed to get me going? <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I carried that on until I hit my breaking point And I had basically a mental breakdown where, you know, I was diagnosed bipolar, but really mostly because I didn't have any perception of what it was to really live out who I truly was because I was carrying around this facade. Now I was good at it, but it was a facade. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it was serving this aspect of myself that wasn't really in alignment, which was what do I, who am I? How am I supposed to present something that gives me meaning in this life? And then I got laid off in 2017 and I said, okay, maybe the answer is freelance. I'm supposed to go freelance. I can work for myself. That's the key. Okay, I can find the people to work with. It'll be, you know, my niche. I'll, I'll, I have all these tools. Look at all these cool clients I've worked on. And yeah, it just, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't go well. Um, I, it, it did go well in the sense that I was able to, you know, use that reflector energy and charisma to reflect back what that client needed. But then on the execution side, I was dying. I was self-sabotaging. I was finding every way to procrastinate my way through the project um, until pretty much late 2018 when I, you know, almost had six figures in my bank account. And I said, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, And then I came into 2019 and I had this vision for a company um, or just a vision for an idea really to capture aging family members stories, which came from my grandmother. And the origin of that was I was a seven-year-old kid and I was with my grandmother, same grandmother. um, And I was witnessing all these pictures on her wall and recognizing that I didn't know any of these people, these old ancestors. And when I'd asked my grandmother, she stared at me and said, oh, those are your ancestors. And I said, well, what's that guy's name? Or what's his story? And she didn't know. And I thought that that was insane. You know, seven-year-old kid asks, who's this bearded man in the middle of a you know, Iowa and nobody knows. I'm like, that's awful. (laughs) Um, And I kept that, you know, seven-year-old kid. And it wasn't until I was in college that I worked um, on a social documenting project and the the Cherokee Nation was next door because I was in Northwest Arkansas going to college. So I went over there and started working with these Native Americans, these, yeah, just these amazing people on, you know, trying to tell the story of, you know, the difference between the Southern Baptist um, Cherokee kind of belief system and this original stomp dance culture. I was just fascinated with the, you know, differences of religion in, in a sense. 
And through that experience, I recognized that the first generation Cherokee people's stories weren't getting told. And I started just planting seeds, being like, these people need to be interviewed. These people need to be interviewed. What can I do? I kept meeting with, you know, their elders. And I was like, how do we do this? How do we push this forward? And I got the sense that I'm a white guy. I'm a 22-year-old white guy. And it's like, that's not the best fit. You know, I'm just straight out of college. I don't have the experience. But I did push it to the point where over the past nine, eight, nine years, I saw them really take that seriously. And they've, their content around that has exploded. But, you know, fast forward to my grandmother aging and passing away, same grandmother. I decided to sit her down um, when she was already pretty deep in dementia and have her reflect on her own life just by going through pictures. Um, And I got this on tape and I realized like that's valuable. When she passed away, I really just, yeah, I didn't know what I had until I showed it at her funeral and it just kind of sucked the air out of the room. And it really showed the value of having somebody's likeness saved. Um, It wasn't until 2019 that, you know, I got together with some friends of mine and decided I was going to do this business. I was going to interview old people. It was going to be great. We're going to capture these stories. And quickly, two weeks into starting this business and launching and bringing people on board and putting savings behind it, I realized that every interview that we were doing, um, the older generations weren't sharing. They weren't opening up, mostly because we had we had branded this as like a celebration of their life, like a highlight video, like a legacy, you know, video that their family and friends could witness. And so anything related to shadow, like, oh, that failed marriage, oh, that child who died, oh, that, you know, brother, sister who passed away, you know, it's like, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Deflect, Mm -hmm. deflect, deflect. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't long until I realized I can't do this. And my business partners were like, come on, we got to do this. I'm like, I can't do this. So we pivoted back to doing a production company um, just within this small group of people who had gotten together and went back to just doing what I did before. And I was miserable. Didn't tell anybody I was miserable, but I was, but they knew. (laughs) Um, And then the pandemic ended that partnership really quickly because we lost 95% of our business. Mm. Um, And I wandered through 2020. um, And, you know, that kind of led up to my human design journey, but it was around that time that I discovered human design that the new spark for backup talks kind of began. And I realized that, okay, I want to, I want this business. Mm -hmm. I want to bring this conscious business to life, but I want it to be real. I want people to share authentically. I want to back up stories that are not hidden and brand this as a place for people who can get things off their chest and share. And for the longest time, I just thought it was a platform for people to back up their life and have like video journals But then people that I would interview would say, well, what do I do? Is this just going to sit here? Is this a time capsule? Is is that it? Mm -hmm. It's like, is that it? And it became another rallying call for me to take it to the next level and start to develop a whole system around, okay, how do you change your life by telling your story? What happens? Like, how can this, how can this information, how can this data tell you what has happened in your past and what that means about Mm -hmm. the person you are today? And how does it move you forward? So yeah. it's it's taken on a whole different life of actually becoming an AI-based, technology-based platform that gives people back the power through their own story. And I feel like there's not there's no other way that a reflector could bring a business to life that mirrors that history that I have and that journey through story and recognizing that 
any time that I've ever been on fire in life is when somebody's opening up to me, when I'm really going deep with somebody. And to bring that into a space where it can actually be a functional tool for humanity, that's, that's why I'm here. Oh, that is amazing. Uh, I'm just, I've got all the feels right now. Um, that is, is so beautiful. I've got to find the words. Um, thank you. It's the first word. Thank you for doing that. Um, recently, I'm adopted, so I have two lots of parents. Um, my birth parents live, well, my birth mother actually lives in America and my adopted parents live away. And my adopted mother was here recently and I've, I've kind of been quite estranged from them because I had a, a feeling of separation. And she came in here and she sat in my studio here and she was like, what, what's all this stuff you're doing? You know, because they're older, they're nearly 80. Um, and I'm like, oh, do you, do you want to know? She goes, yes, because I kind of viewed her uh, or viewed everything that they'd done as just, oh, that's just her doing a weird stuff and we just, we, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, Catholics. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and so I showed her and she was really open to it for the first time. Like, I'm 45, Michael. Like, I'm not young, you know, and she's not young either. And she was so open and receptive. And so she played my bowls and she played my drums and I showed her all of these beautiful, unique things. And then she sat down. It was like she'd been, had a bit of a sound healing. And then she sat down and she proceeded to tell me about her whole life. And I'd never heard these stories before. And I cried with her and I shared it with her and I felt, uh, uh, anyway, so what you're saying, I was just like, I've just been privy to that experience just recently where I just went, how the fuck did I not know this? And why did I not think to ever ask? So everybody's got a story and her story is a bit sad, you know, because she's got one story that she, she knows and then she's got a story that society knows. And that's, I think, everybody, isn't it? We've all got a story that there's the story that we deep down are trying to deal with or the journey that we're trying to deal with. And then we've got the story that we tell everybody. We're okay. We're doing this. We're fine. No, I've got it. Um, so that is so important for our elderly or our generational people to have their stories told and heard because they've got such far out. The stories they tell us, hey, which you would know. Yeah. Amazing, aren't they? You just yeah. think, how, how the hell? Yeah, it's, and it's, it, it's gotten so much more open than just being something that I want the elder, elderly to experience. Because if this is a tool for change, if this is a tool for self-reflection, if this is a catalyst to make your life better, the younger you are, the more you can benefit. Because yes. if I would have done this at 18 and I would have sat with somebody and I would have told them my life up to that point, I would have told them how I'm, how like the moments that really mattered. And can you imagine what that report, what that analysis would have told me about what my choices were looking like for my future? I mean, it would have given me a whole different vantage point. Mm -hmm. So in my part, I know that this isn't just something for the elderly. 
-hmm. and it's something that the elderly elderly can absolutely benefit from but you know and again from my heart like I know if I would have been able to see the family members that came before me's stories how valuable would that have been Mm. um so yeah this is this is a human library this is the human experience and it's meant to be something that you do multiple times in your life I mean how many you can't there's so much information that's lost our memories fade and so the sooner you can start backing that up that's my process is back it up you know like every pivotal moment every major change you know imagine if you would have had a backup of your life you know before you met your husband before you started having kids I mean and being able to go back and look at that or see how that would have changed the course I mean again this is where we are this is what we have to deal with but like I'm I'm excited for the world where this can exist and start transforming people. Yeah, because it gets distorted, doesn't it? Our memories get distorted. We believe something's happened to us at a certain point in our life and then 20 years later, we relive it, but it's always distorted because it's like Chinese whispers. We've tacked on to all of these weird emotions and and realities that aren't real. So if we had that, as you're saying, if we had that back up at that 18 to go, here's me, here's right now, and we could listen back to that 20 years later, we'd be like, oh, that story I told myself for the last 20 years is inaccurate. This actually is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there's a dark side to it too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason people want to forget. There's a reason people want to move on. But everything that I've seen about the work that we do, even in the men's group, the work that therapists do, I mean, this is this is a destigmatization. That's not the right word, but I'm destigmatizing the process of your story being something that has to be feared. I don't want it to be feared. This should be celebrated and it should be saved for yourself and for your future generations. Because imagine if, you know, we start this now, you know, hopefully humanity can get past this century and survive. And if we do, I want to be part of, I want to be a part of the human experience that has that backlog to reference back to because it can teach us so much. The reason we keep repeating this stuff, this tribalism, this authoritarian, this, this, this really destructive pattern that humanity keeps repeating is yeah. because we're not learning. And if you have a source to go back to and say, yes, we did that before. Yes, we did that before. Yes, we did that before. This is, this is obviously a point where we can actually change our future. Amazing. What a blessing you are. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I'm you. just being me over here. I know, but just you being you is enough. That's why we're little mushrooms just popping up everywhere, aren't we? Beautiful yeah. mushrooms into the world. How can we reach you, Michael? How if people want to work with you, if they want, if you want them to know what you're doing, um, where can they find you? Well, I'm kind of in the middle of a pretty major shift in in terms of finally getting myself back out there on social. I've taken a pretty big break, um, but I have created a landing page for the website. And yeah, people can reach me through that. And it's just backuptalks.com. I um, have an Instagram for Backup Talks as well. And I've got my own personal MK underscore Bruner on Instagram. But yeah, it's just... It's just uh, pretty grassroots right now. And yeah. give me a couple of years. <laughs> That's all I got to yeah. say. And there's no rush because the work you're doing, just it's going to take time. There's no rush for anything. 
Thank you so very much for being here with me and just talking. I really appreciate it. I, I really value the work that you're doing. So I thank you from the bottom of yeah. my heart. Thank you so very much. I'm honored to be a part of it. <laughs>